It's a beautiful Friday in Chapel Hill. I'm sitting here with Turner Jambecki and Samuel Johnson on the back porch of Pearl Lane, the Pearl House of sorts. We're excited to start off this podcast, our first ever one, as my phone is on 4%, just minute through that intro. That was uh, Just To Be With You by The Elements. Uh, that's, a, that's a deep track. One of Turner's all-time favorites, as I'm told. Sets the mood. Absolutely. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sets the we just tested how well you could lie on the spot. It's really good to know for the future of this podcast. That it, you can... it fits the weather perfectly. <laughs> it is a beautiful day, and it is that is a fun, bouncy song. We, uh, yeah, we, we could call it improv. Your improv skills are good. Um, Thanks. So I don't even know what we're calling this yet. We could just throw out a few ideas, but, I mean, does anyone have any ideas off the top of their head of what we could call this thing? I don't know. I mean, maybe we... Dive into the content, let the audience decide. Okay, you know, we, we can let the fans decide. That's what we're about here. That's go. a good idea. I think that's a great idea. Um, Alright, so, as uh, as we all can attest to, things are about to get crazy. In fact, I didn't even think about that when I was picking y'all up, that, that probably some of the traffic is just, like, I feel like the general, like, excitement of people going out the day before the Duke-UNC game. It's a reasonable way to think about um, it. But, I don't know, man. I, how do we feel right now about UNC, first of all? Well, you know, obviously as students, we're never going to outright say the D word, so we're not even going to openly support a, a team like that. But if we do look here, like on paper, um, ESPN would agree that, you know, obviously UNC is, is uh, the heavy underdog in this. You know, they're 22-8 and eight overall, 15-2 and two at home, 14-5 and five in the conference, and you have Duke, who is 26-4, and four, also 15-2 and two at home. But obviously the better conference record. I think they're the number one seed in the ACC. So it's definitely an uphill battle, especially the environment. You're going to be at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I heard the mm. average ticket price for that game is $5,000. Yeah. Coach K's last game. I, I think they were comparing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep talking. I'm going to look that up right now. We're yeah, to, to, to some Super Bowl tickets. And I, I think as far as median prices go, they're right up there with, with Super Bowl ticket prices. Um, that's incredible to me. I, I couldn't see myself. I would much rather watch it on TV and not drop five grand. But. Dude, I, I'd be shocked if there were any left. I mean, because it's such a small stadium. Right. Okay, yeah, so look, we got, this is nosebleeds we're looking at right now. Okay, so yeah, so there's, I mean, if you're looking at section one, which is in the corner, you got from 16,905. That's the cheapest in section one, mm. which is not even, like, courtside at all. I mean, money. yeah. <laughs> Look at my savings. <laughs> I don't even. even do that. <laughs> How far down the totem pole am I if I can't even afford like all like all my assets combined? <laughs> my net worth is not equal to this. Yeah, maybe it just mm. doesn't. Maybe it just doesn't make sense to me. But I, I guess I could somehow justify it if it was a player. But you're gonna pay five thousand dollars. You're gonna watch Coach K pace on a yeah. sideline. Is that is that what we're paying for? Or are we paying for the actual like basketball game itself? That's I, a I good point. I don't know. That's don't a know. good point. And we're looking at. I mean, the, the cheapest one I, I could see here, section two, randomly is four thousand. So it's not. It's it's not. I mean, impossible to find anything that you could you could pay for. But it's just the, it's an elitist thing, man. Like all things Duke, it's just it's made for the elites. I really think this is probably the toughest environment any UNC team will ever have to play in. Mm. And I mean, these students have been living in tents 
for months in preparation of this game. They have been slumming it up in their tents, and they are just going to be going crazy for Coach K's last game. There's going to be tons of his former players, so much media. We might have... I mean, Barack Obama came a couple years ago, and Zion and R.J. Barrett were playing. There are going to be some high-profile celebrities in Cameron. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. So just just from that perspective, UNC is really going to be having all the cards against them in this game. And I think that that sort of situation begs the question of leadership, right? If you're a UNC, if you're a UNC team. Um, and I honestly, that that's where I kind of wonder, because I think that before the overtime against Syracuse, you looked at the way, I mean, up until Caleb Love's shot, the past, the last three or four possessions of that game, UNC literally no one wanted to take a shot. They kept passing around the top of the key. Brady Manick would get the ball, and everybody would look at him like, well, you're the, I don't know, you're like, you're the guy with the beard, and like, you're the one of the older guys on the team, like, you take the shot. It just didn't look like, until Caleb Love stepped up, that anyone on that team would be able to have the fortitude like in, in Cameron Indoor. But then you look at the way they played in overtime and you wonder, like, is that the start of something going forward? Because if you're UNC, it has to be if you're UNC. That's the, that's the last, this is the last go-around you have to make a statement. Um, in terms of momentum, you know, I mean, we could talk about whether or not they're in the tournament. I think they are. But in terms of momentum alone, like, this is where it's got to start, right? Yeah, I, I think leadership is a good, is a good way to approach it. Speaking of some of those players that you named, you know, you look at the scoring distribution for their starters. Um, obviously, Armando Baycott is the leading scorer. He averages 16 and 13, which is, I, I mean, that's incredible, you know, at, at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it says, um, I remember reading something, he leads the ACC this season in double-doubles with 29. And I think that actually is either nearing or has already passed a program record. It is, I think yeah. It's, I think it's 29 it the in the season. Uh, that, that breaks it. Um, look, looking at the way that the scoring is distributed, though, after Baycott, you have Manic, uh, Brady Manic averages 14, which, you know, probably the best shooter on the team. And as far as form shooting goes for a big man, I, I think that's incredible. You could probably liken it to somebody like a Kevin Love, uh, but just how effortless he makes it mm, look for someone in his yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Um, and then Caleb Love averages 15 and a half. And I think to your point of leadership, you know, sometimes your leading scorers don't necessarily mean that those are your leaders on the team. Uh, I think Caleb Love, especially sometimes from what I notice, you know, I'll have these games like where he's really hot and you're like, well, you know, with this type of offense, you know, who who in the conference and let alone the nation is going to be able to beat this team? And then you have some games where he isn't nearly as efficient and the body language of the team, you know, when their leading scorers aren't putting points in, you know, mm-hmm. it suffers um, and you lose games off that. So, you know, I think it's going to be heavily incumbent on Hubert Davis, you know, to get this team ready this week and maybe learn some sign language because it's going to be deafening in that arena <laughs> communicate with your team that way but um yeah no i mean i, I think an uphill battle is that that cliche you could easily brand this game with that so i Man. think uh for carolina too that there's some consistent players i mean brady manic i feel like you know what you're gonna get He's going to give you that that 15 and like 6 stat line. He's going to knock down some threes. Um, He's going to play his part. Um, I think Baycott is going to probably play really well. He's pretty consistent too. He didn't have the best game against Duke the first go-around because of some foul trouble. Mm -hmm. But um, like his production's been there. Um, But really the guard play is what you never know about. Um, 
if Caleb Love plays to his potential, plays at Duke like he did last year, I think he had 25 points at Duke last year. Um, you know, we can be in this game. Uh, and then Puff Johnson, too. Mm. He's a piece that hadn't really uh, come into his full development yet. Not that he's near that point at all, but he's contributing a lot more now. Um, he could have a big impact on the game, too, in a way that no player really did last time around for Carolina. But still, Man. Duke's level of talent is going to be really, really hard to beat, even if everybody's playing their best. You know, the big name on Duke's team that everybody you know, comes to mind is you know, Paul Bencaro averaging 17 and 8, and I think it's kind of like he kind of headlines this new generation of positionless basketball players mm -hmm. where I've seen him you know, from time to time in games. They'll have him assume primary ball handling duties, but he'll also grab eight, nine rebounds, yeah. maybe out-rebound your favorite team's starting center. Um, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me mm -hmm. that he's within the top five, maybe even the best prospect coming into the draft this upcoming season um, with the stuff that he can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to, to, to his point, you know, I, I think this is this is a guard-heavy, forward-heavy um, type of matchup. I, I think Baycott is going to be important for him not to get into foul trouble because he's probably the best rim protector on the team. Um, you know, and then the guard play, they have to match up with, with, with uh, Duke's guards, and they both put up double-digit points per game as well. Um, so, yeah. Man, and Manic is definitely not primarily a rim protector. Like, you, you, you whenever whenever Baycott's going out of the game, you see the way Manic looks down there. He just doesn't – nobody seems to have confidence in him. You're having to help more down low. But I, one of the things in UNC's favor, I think, if we're not just purely being skeptical, is is to say I think Leakey played Ben Caro really well. He did. He really um, did. And you wonder about like, well, how how many games out of the out of you know Duke's win record did Ben Caro not really play up to speed? Like, I, I wonder if the team rallies if it rallies around themselves differently when Ben Caro isn't isn't carrying them, isn't having to handle the ball as much, isn't getting the touches he normally gets. Um, man, me personally, I look at the way we came out of overtime, and I hope that that's the start of a start of a big shift. I think Caleb Love could have a massive game. I think UNC comes into this game without anything to lose. I mean, I, I, I think that by all accounts, even if you look at the Bracketology on ESPN, they're pretty much in. I mean, they've already got their buy that they've they've secured into the the tournament, the ACC tournament. And so, I mean, to me, they they don't have much on the line. And, and the, the environment, I think, is so huge at Duke, but it could so quickly turn into a nightmare. If, if <laughs> UNC can come up early, I mean... It could yeah. Well, I mean, then, then all of a sudden we're watching uh, the sequel to what the first meeting would be if we were to make a movie analogy because, yeah. you know, they started off poorly. I, I look at the first game, you know, you're down. You put yourself in a 40-28 to 28 hole, you know, at, at halftime. You know, you, you didn't outscore them in either half. And it was if, a fight to get to 28, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really was. And, and you know, I, I think what's what's potentially scary is that that's with Ben Carroll, you know, to your point, with Leaky Black as his primary yeah. defender, only put up 13 points. Yeah, I shouldn't, you know, only, but it, you know, it, it, it dips below his average, which, you know, you would consider defensively that's your goal on a team star player. Um, but I think, like you said, you know, we can't get too obsessive with the stats, and you have to look at, you know, ultimately who's going to want it more mentally. And um, both teams are probably going to make the tournament game, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the, the big bracket tournament game, and obviously both teams are high seeds in the ACC uh, championship, but. You know, it, it is really when you have nothing to lose where you find the most upsets happen. 
um, because teams you know aren't aren't playing as scared. Uh, I think if there was if there was a better if, if there was no better time to be Duke, there would be now. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like you said, you know your point earlier about momentum. So you want to find it any way you can go into the tournament because I mean that's really all the tournament is is whoever whoever has the highest win streak by the end of March. You know it's just that's you might as well get in the habit of winning games consecutively now. Um, and they actually are on a four-game win streak. I didn't realize that the Tar Heels right now are on a four-game win streak. I'm, you know, Duke's on a seven, but you know, streaks in their own right. So it's like you know, who's going to want to continue that streak on Saturday? We'll have to find out. Dude, and that's the last thing. I mean, it, it, this sort of game, uh, there is a magic to it that you can't account for. I really do. I really like as superstitious yes, as that is. may sound. I really don't know if there's ever been a game you could say, and this sounds cliche, but genuinely. Is, has there ever been a game where you could fully write off either team, you know, in its history, right. in the in you know the the Coach K and Roy era, era specifically? But I mean, I don't know. I I want to hear y'all's predictions on this game because um, I, I think I might be in the minority here. I'll go ahead and say it. But y'all y'all go ahead and I might be in the minority right. if I said that yeah. UNC was going to lose by eight. I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as I go to this school, you're never going to hear me say that we're going to lose. So, uh, you know, obviously, I, I'll compound all of the intangibles, like the will to win. I'm going to ignore everything on paper. And I'm going <laughs> to say UNC wins this game by five points. It'll be close. I'll say like I'll say like 73 to 68. Really close down the stretch. Man. Sam, I love your optimism, man. <laughs> and and I, I wish I had it, but I, I just don't trust this team. Um, you never know what you're going to expect from this team. Um. I actually, I, I do believe we're going to play well, but to me, um, I think even if we play our best, if, if Duke just plays even like 75, 80% of their best, that they're going to beat us. Um, I think with A.J. Griffin, what he did to Carolina last time, he's just gained so much confidence. Mm. That guy is a sniper, man. He is such a great shooter. He's a great player. He's, he's worked his way up into, like, top four consideration in the NBA draft recently, too. Um, Bankero, I think Leakey's going to do a great job again. And I, he's going to – whoever he's guarding, um, I, th- I think he's going to really – I assume it will be Bankero again, but if Griffin heats up, we could see him, like, <clears throat> switch on to – to Griffin for parts of the game, kind of like he did against Syracuse, swapping mm-hmm. out to to guard the hot hand. But no. um, and then they got Trevor Keels. He's been playing really well lately. He can really turn it on when he wants. And Wendell Moore, gotta give a shout out to the Concord boy, <laughs> dude. He is just he's the glue guy for them, and he does all the little things that don't show up in the stat sheet always. Um, they're they're just so good. I mean. I gotta give that that team credit. So, I would love to see Carolina win, but realistically, to me, I think we're gonna lose. I'll, I'll go five points the other way, and I'll say maybe it's like a mm. maybe a eighty-five to eighty kind of score. Mm. Okay. Mm, you have a scoring eighty and losing. Man. That's an interesting. That's interesting. Okay. I don't know about that, but I mean, look, it, it'll all be it'll all be tomorrow. We'll know. Um, I I for one think that. In an environment like that, these, these, I think Brady Manick and Caleb Love are coming into that gym hot and ready to go. And I think, like, Caleb Love, I mean, the fact that he, to look at him when he made that three-point shot at the end of the Syracuse uh, regulation time, the way he immediately was back on defense, 
I felt like in the clutch, he looked like a different person. Like other times I've seen him make threes, he doesn't look quite as engaged. But to see the way he finished down the stretch of that game, even when his confidence should have been low, he shot terribly that yeah. game. Um, I think going into an environment like this when everyone's watching and it's Coach K's last game, there's every reason to believe that these guys will get hot from the beginning. And I actually think UNC will come out on top. I'm going to say uh, 71 61. Mm, like it. 10 points. Right. 10 points. 10 man. Point if I was a betting man, away. I'm just ten saying. Point this would be an iconic mm. win. Yeah. I mean, if Carolina can pull this out, you would, we would remember it for the rest of our lives. But we'll see. It'll be fun for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably the best way to label this game for this Carolina unit uh, that, that one of you guys said. is uh, I think this is the toughest environment that I, that I think a UNC team will ever have to face because there's, you know, after this season, there, you know, no, no other unit for this school will face a coach as, as great as Coach K and a, and a Duke group as well coached as a group coached yeah. by Coach K. Um, on the other side of things, I, I saw this quote from from Hubert Davis. He was, you know, he was referring to the the whole aura surrounding the game. Obviously, it's like a a farewell send off that you know you would expect from like a retiring NBA player. And he said he said we're not a part of that pageantry. He said our job is to go over there to Durham and play a basketball game. He said we'll be focused on our preparation and putting ourselves in a in the best position to play our best basketball. That's all we're thinking about. So I think. That's that's as simple as it is. I mean, when you look at it, it really is. At the end of the day, it's a basketball game, and I, I think there's no element of a send-off that should make playing the actual game harder than than it than it actually is. And I, I think if they are confident in their leadership, like what we talked about earlier, you're confident in your game plan, you're confident in your, your each other. Um, I don't see why we can win by five, by ten points, or you know, even even if we were to lose by five, which was what your prediction was. It's like, I, I honestly would be okay with putting up 80 points against the fourth-ranked team in the country. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think you could still find something to build off of with that. Um, Man. Well, I got one more quick question on this subject, then we're going to have to move on. Um, say Hubert and in in, in in the Tar Heels lose this game, and then say they win a few games the ACC tournament, go out in the semis or something and then lose in the round of 32 in the tournament. Does Hubert get another year? Um, and, and first of all, does he? And if he does, should he? I'll go first. I think absolutely. Um, I think, honestly, I would be, as a fan, I would be incredibly pleased with just one win in the tournament. Um, I think what Hubert's done is, like, the culture he's continued um he's like made it very positive i love his mentality how he works with his players um i think his players want to play hard with for him we're 13 and 5 in the acc i think most people would have definitely taken that um it's definitely a down year for the conference in general but um I, I'm really pleased with, with what he's done, and I think he's building a great foundation for the future. I think he's a great recruiter. I mean, look at a guy like Brady Mannix, like all career highs across mm. the board. I love the offensive style he's brought to our team, a more modern, modern style that I think will be more attractive to recruits coming out of high school that want to go to the next level um, with like spacing and three-point shooting. So I'm, I'm all for uh, Hubert Davis. 
long term and especially next season. But um, in that situation, Isaac, I'd even be happy as a fan with what this team has done. I think that's totally fair to say. I, I would follow you right on the heels of that. I, I, I think it's important to highlight that one of the hardest situations to inherit as a head coach, if not one of the hardest, is to try to fill the shoes of uh, the previous coach. You know, and that coach happens to be Roy Williams. You know, mm -hmm. you have a legendary coach, you know, of his caliber. Uh, you know, since he came in uh, 2003, you know, you have two national – or three national championships, I believe. You have multiple Final Four appearances, uh, you know, plenty of tournament appearances as well. So, you know, to your point, you know, 13-5 in the conference, you know, you won 22 games, which, you know, if we're looking at – you're playing 30 to 31 games in the season, you know, 22 games is a lot of games, and the ACC – conference uh, in men's basketball is one of the hardest mm -hmm. uh, to try to navigate through so you know it's a lot of repeat opponents you know you're seeing people like Pitt you know possibly twice Virginia you know Virginia Tech obviously you're playing Duke um, so you know to win 22 games um, in your first year here you know I, I think he's I think he's automatically given himself another chance next season you know re uh, regardless of where they where they place in the tournament and I would say round of 32 Sweet 16 appearance is probably overachieving, hmm. uh, you know, ba based on a lot of people's thoughts on this team right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Dude, and, and you, 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 it's so hard to account for. I think you got to give a coach two or three years minimum to see how they really recruit. I think that recruiting takes – you have to build a network. You have to build a team around you of recruiters and people that are a part of the program that are going to help you bring – uh, potential like prospects and students into the into your team into the game so I would be really interested to see how he recruits if he could get um, after the next season like after that season I would be interested to see I think that's where you really reach the potential of the, the height of what you can you, you, you can recruit no doubt um, well let's move on to uh, our next segment which is going to be um, shorter than this this last one but first uh, we've got a few ad reads uh, to go through uh, first of all, uh, Colgate toothpaste. Oh, Your man. teeth will be whiter. Squeaky Colgate, clean. squeaky clean. That's right. All right, what's what's the ad read that you have, Turner? Oh, Who are you sponsored by today? God. Today I'm sponsored by Bojangles <laughs> Chicken and Biscuits. Stole my sponsorship. Bojangles. Yeah, we're both sponsored by Bojangles because <laughs> he stole mine. Bowberry biscuit. Currently starving. Cinnamon so. biscuit. <laughs> Cajun fillet biscuit. Supremes. There's no better option for fast food chicken in this Sweet area. Tea. <laughs> Dude, last night, I have a confession to make. Last oh, night, and after... And pinto beans also. You should try the pinto oh, beans. Oh, man. Dude, I've never I've never gone away from dirty, dirty rice. I just don't know why you Get would dirty need rice to. and pinto it's a popular beans and mix item, them together. Dude, it is mm. starchy. I mean, you're getting a lot of starch when you when you eat into that. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, but it's starchy all over. Uh, dude, I, I had some a three-piece dark meal in my car last night at like 9 p.m. At night, That's a and buy. dude, it just—it was—it was restorative to the soul. I would say, indeed. Um, and I didn't feel guilty about it. I didn't no, feel weird about it. I mean, because look, sometimes there is that moment when you leave the drive-through and you turn, and you're like, "Are people watching me?" <laughs> as you turn, like, to go park in the in the parking lot. That is like one of the lowest moves, like <laughs> I in even the. Wait till I get home, dude. I yeah, it's it exactly. Right and it's like. Yeah, I feel better about it because they make ads about it now. McDonald's makes ads where it's like, oh, it's so good you have to pull over. So it makes you feel a little bit better that at least, yeah. at least, at least the companies yeah. know that people have a tendency <laughs> to do that. It makes you feel a little bit better. Oh, dude. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, those are some good ad reads. Um, we're raking in the money these days uh, with this podcast. But uh, 
Next up, we have in tournament time. Uh, these, these last 10 minutes or so we have going. So I want to hear the last four in. Um, who okay. are your last four in teams? Walk me through them. All right, so I think before we do this quickly, I think it's important to people that are not necessarily familiar with when we talk about bracketology and you look at, like, you know, building a bracket for this tournament. I think these terms we need to try to define before we start to use for maybe the more casual audience listeners. So typically when somebody says last four in, the way it works, obviously you have 64 teams that make the tournament. 32 teams who win their conference get an automatic bid. Um, when you say last four in, technically they allow 68 teams, and then the 61st through 68th team play play-in games to decide who the final four teams are that get in. So when you say last four in, those are teams that didn't win their conference and didn't get in automatically, but are big schools like ourselves or like a Virginia who just based off record alone, a committee has decided, yeah, they deserve to be in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So the last four in are the last four teams that have been labeled like this. You didn't win your conference, but you're still good enough to make it. The first four out are the four teams that if the tournament ended today and we selected 68, they'd be 69 through 72. Like, they just missed it. Mm-hmm. So those are the last four, whether from recent performance or something else, fell out of grace, and now they're not being considered. So those are, like, the two main ones uh, that we'll look at. Um, so you can go to your point. Um, one of you guys can give me who your last four in are. I'll jump in on first on this one. Um, look, all right, first of all, you, when looking at the last four and you can look at what ESPN's put out there, I don't think that's the most reliable source possible. Um, I mean, do those guys really, do they watch every game? Are they really fully invested? <laughs> Dude, to me, first of all, Rutgers, I would say Rutgers is absolutely in. Categorically. Give me some some right now. Because, okay, since February, their record is ridiculous when it comes to ranked opponents. All right? They beat number 13 Michigan State. This is in a row. All right? They beat these four teams they beat in a row. Number 13 Michigan State. Mm. Number 16 Ohio State. Number Mm. 14 Wisconsin at which I also, by the way, Wisconsin, I really like it for to make it really far in the tournament make a deep run. And number 12 Illinois. They beat those four teams in a row. Mm. Um, they just lost to um, a number. I think at the time they were ranked number five or so, Purdue team, um, I believe. So they they're in in all ways. I think that they now that was in February. So I wouldn't say that they've absolutely caught fire up to this point now, but they have an incredible resume. Um, and that they beat a great Indiana team. Did y'all see that game yep. with Ron Harper Jr.? Uh, it was Buzzer some punches Peter thrown. He lead, leads them in leads them in points per game. Yeah, I believe. So yeah, so, I mean, and that I mean that's the sort of leader I think that that could lead them in the tournament anyway. So yes. I've got Rutgers in. I'd say Michigan. I actually will say, uh, and most of the things I've read, Michigan was was um, like team for like last four teams in with a bye so not even technically in the last four in mm. like they're further in than that mm. and i would say michigan is is going to end up just out of i would the last i would agree with that I, totally i agree because you look look no impressive wins besides purdue they beat no. a purdue team once which by the way that purdue team's kind of been smacked around in ranked ranked games i mean they've i think they might be overranked to me currently what sitting at number one i believe purdue based, purdue. On, based on what espn says the, ranked wise yeah ranked that's the number seed. one team dude and 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 they look, definitely got talent. Michigan's playing uh, an, a ranked Ohio State team for their final game. If they lose that game, they'll be sixteen and fourteen. Um, but eighth in the Big Ten does it gives you some street cred? I think. I think it gives it gives you a little bit of a bump. Sure. But 
I don't see them as having enough to beat out the other teams that I have here, which I'll go through quickly. Indiana, I think, gets in. They're 18-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. Um, they beat out Michigan. Uh, they'll, they'll beat out Michigan, I think, into making it to the last four in uh, if they beat a uh, number eight ranked nationally Purdue team this weekend, um, which I think is absolutely on the cards. Uh, and I think they have way more motivation than Purdue to win this game. Yeah. Um, and they also beat them earlier this year. So I think Indiana looks really good. Uh, Loyola, Chicago. Um, Everyone's favorite. Mm. Everyone. I remembers. mean, how can you have a tournament without Sister them? Jean? Everyone remembers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what was her? What was her name? Sister Jean. Dude, Sister Jean. What a Incredible. Uh, what a legend. Um, they've only played one ranked opponent, and it was Auburn, and they lost, but they only lost by nine. Besides that, twenty-two yeah. and seven. They're playing a Bradley team this weekend that I think they'll beat pretty handily. Twenty-three and seven. Um, that puts you in pretty solidly. So then, if we're, if we're rounding this out here, I'm Memphis. Look, I mean, these people talking against Memphis, dude. I, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I'm telling you, dude. This team doesn't even deserve to be in this conversation. They should be way further up. They've won nine of their last ten. Yep. All right. They had a big win in Houston. Yep. Um, a very highly ranked team. Great program. Uh, number six in the country that time. Jalen Duran's draft stock is soaring higher than GameStop right now. I mean, wow. dude, it's in the atmosphere, wow. and that's true. And they're, they're 18 and 19 even with having to play Houston again. Um, I think they've done enough to not even be in the consideration for one of these. I don't want to like lower them, lower their standards of putting them in this conversation. So they're good. My last team would have been Xavier. But I think they've gone absolutely ice cold down the stretch. They have. I don't really see much argument if you're looking at anything in the past month and a half that should say they should be in. Um, now, they did have some decent midseason play. They had a win. Uh, they're going to play Georgetown this weekend, which is a six-win team. If they win that, they're at 18-12. and 12. But, however, look at the, the, Virginia, the Virginia Tech Hokies. I mean, Mm-mm. they've won eight of their last ten. They're 19-11. They play a lackluster Clemson team. They're sixth in the ACC. I think Virginia Tech does enough in the ACC tournament Ooh, to get in ESPN's over got them first four hours. Xavier. Wow. So my to, to reiterate my, my 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 last four in: Rutgers, Indiana, Loyola, Chicago, and Virginia Tech. Okay. Rounding out the end. Virginia Tech is the interesting one. I, I really I really do think that because I, I, this is a team that on the topic of. We beat, uh, as in Chapel Hill. They were able to beat twice. Yeah, I twice. Yeah. I, I, I do believe. Um, not, not yet. You know, as you said, 19-11-6 in the ACC. I, I think it's one of those wait and sees because you say that you'll do enough in the ACC tournament, and I can't, I can't necessarily outright disagree with that. Just because of you know, clearly we wouldn't have these conference tournaments in the first place if games that save team seasons didn't happen. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as the sixth seed, you know, your first-round matchup, you're probably going to have a seed that is closer to you than, say, the difference when Duke will play a 15. Um, but as a six, you probably are going to have a tougher ACC schedule down the stretch because mm-hmm. the lower-end seed you are in terms of teams that remain, you know, the better the teams are that you play. Um I think that's an interesting one. I think I think Virginia Tech would be one to watch. Uh, but th- those other three seem pretty solid to me. I, I would agree with those. Um, I also thought that Michigan was interesting when you when you brought them up because I, I think right now 
I'm not sure if you guys saw this. Their their coach, uh, Jawan Howard, I believe. I think he's one of the yeah. Fab yeah. Five uh, initially for, for Michigan. Um, I think his altercation with was it was it what was it one of Wisconsin? I think it was one of Wisconsin's, it was Wisconsin's coaches. Head coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, unfortunately, I think that altercation that has left him, I think, suspended for four or five games. I, I'm pretty sure that is more prominent right now in terms mm. of Michigan's basketball program than their odds uh, at, at an appearance in the tournament. That's a good point. Um, you know and. Obviously, coaches are so quick to hold their own players accountable. When you have slip-ups like that at the top, um, I, I just don't see Michigan building up enough momentum when your head coach does something like that. And, you know, the expectation from him to you was to go out and perform. But, you know, your head coach isn't exactly modeling what he's teaching you. I just think it's the worst time to have internal turmoil at this point in the season when you have a conference tournament coming up. You're trying to make, you know, the main tournament. I think it's the worst time to have something like that happen. Um, so I, th- I think Michigan, that's like, that's a truly odd case there. And especially for a team that started the season ranked, you know, in, oh. in, in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Super high. I think um, they might have been top four in the yeah. preseason. It was, yeah. Man, I, yeah. You, you wonder about, like, the politics. I think there is, there can't be, there, there, there can't be a lack of politics in the, the, the selection committees, like, you know what criteria i think there's always going to be something right. there and i i wonder if Juwan howard throwing that punch enters right. the mind of a committee a selection committee member right right in terms of a reason that you wouldn't want that team to come in i don't know it's sure. an interesting topic I, I think it's totally impossible for somebody to sit there and like totally be remiss and just not mm-hmm. recognize that happening yeah. mm-hmm. um and i think it definitely makes it easier to let that influence your decision when you know michigan really isn't all that great anyway you say well they're not all that great the conduct doesn't seem that great either. It's like, you know, what reason are you giving me to, you know, include you with these other, six, you know, 67 teams, uh, you know, that, that are going to make it. So I, I think that's really interesting with Michigan. And um, I think also on the other side of things, like the length of suspension, mm-hmm. you know, dare I say with any other average coach that wasn't one of the most influential alum for the college that they're coaching, you know, they, they would probably get fired for something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I think Jawan Howard, honestly – um, you know, to to get like a, a five game suspension or you know a, a, a games games of suspension you could count on your hand. I think that's totally gracious because you know I I, I look at that video and I'm like you know, you know it was it wasn't a love tap that you know that he gave to that Wisconsin head coach. I'm like you know that's something where you know you have people having to extensively you know intervene and break you up. I'm like that's just not yeah it's not a good model at all. But yeah. Interesting, interesting. I think I think our brackets will know for sure in about a week or so when the bracket predictions start becoming official. You have your turn. You have your conference tournament winners. Everyone who's got their locked-in bid is going to have their locked-in bid. And you have selection Sunday. That's that's when it really starts. People mm-hmm. start making their brackets. That'll be a really interesting time. Cool. Um, so yeah, I had some very similar teams to you, Isaac. Um, number one, Rutgers. I'm loving Rutgers. They have, um, their momentum has calmed down a little bit down the stretch here, but all those great wins, like you said, they also did beat Iowa earlier in the season. That was Mm. one of their first conference games when Iowa was, they they were a top three ranked team in the country at that point. They beat Iowa, and um, man, they've got head-to-head wins too against Michigan, Indiana, they're a great team, and they've got that star power and Ron Harper Jr., like you said. 
I think they definitely deserve to get in over more traditional powerhouses in the Big Ten, like Indiana, Michigan State, and Michigan. Um, but uh, I, I think like a case can be made too for Indiana. I, I agree as well, though. Michigan probably shouldn't be in, um, and I think Michigan State will probably sneak in. But you'll probably be looking around eight teams from the Big Ten in general. So it'll be fun to see which way that kind of sways and how the <laughs> conference tournament plays out. Um, Memphis, that was one of my teams too. Um, they play Houston on Sunday, um, so they'll have a second chance to beat them again. If they do that, I think they're a lock, but there's always the conference tournament, and they are on fire at the right time. Um, they're a team to look out for because they've got the talent to hang in there with anybody. And just a month ago, everybody was, you know, talking about Penny Hardaway, how he might not be the guy for the job how he's mm -hmm. not handled that team and all the different personalities and young players uh like he should and they've proved everybody wrong in recent weeks so they're a fun team to watch um for the acc i think there's going to be one team left out um to me i think that's going to be virginia tech i think they're mm -hmm. going to be on the wrong side of the bubble um i think it's going to be hard for uh, people to to include six ACC teams and mm. I think uh, you got to consider Notre Dame I think Notre Dame's a lock to be in above them they've got to win against a really good Kentucky team that kind of separates them from um, all those other teams I think that's the best win of any team other than Duke in the ACC this season um, and then you've got you know Carolina um, you're looking at uh, Wake Forest too, so that's already, and then Miami is the other team, mm -hmm. that fifth team, that I think kind of they all have better resumes than Virginia Tech, so I think Virginia Tech might get left out this year, and then my final uh, bubble team, um, I want to make a case for the Atlantic Ten Conference as a whole. Um, I love the A Ten. I think they're a super overrated, underrated conference every year. Um, I'm a big Davidson basketball fan that program is so solid but this year especially um they're looking great i think they're a sleeper in the tournament they're 24 and four or five overall hmm. they have a really good win against alabama that they scheduled at the last minute because huh. of some covid stuff or it just worked out for them um i think davidson's a lock they've also got vcu in that conference vcu's playing really well i think most uh tournament brackets like all the experts have them kind of in right now um, but I want to make a case for a third team from the A-10 that not many people have in and that's Dayton um, Davidson and VCU are kind of battling for the top spot but Dayton's third in the that conference right now um, Dayton's got win, a win over Kansas they beat Virginia Tech who's another team on the bubble and they've got a win over Miami who is also on the bubble and they've been playing really good basketball lately after kind of a slow start on the season. Um, they're definitely a team to watch out for in that A-10 tournament because if they turn it on and win that tournament, I think Davidson and VCU have done enough on their own to get at-large bids if they don't end up, you know, if the favorites don't end up winning that conference. So I think it's going to be really fun to see what happens uh, no doubt. this next week. No doubt.
I think the interesting thing is Dayton Dayton finishes the season against Davidson, so that that should be an yeah. interesting game at mm -hmm. the end. That's on Sunday at twelve thirty. Man, well, we're running out of time here. Um, I want to hear real quick though from the NBA. What's your one hot take for over this weekend? Anything against the grain happening from Friday to Sunday? I think Luka just stamped his bid as a top three MVP candidate. Luka Doncic. No way. I know right now everybody's like yeah. triune is you have Embiid, Jokic, and Curry right now. I know is you know the big three that everybody's looking at, but Luka just dropped a 40-point triple-double. They beat a struggling Lakers team earlier this week. You know, even though they're struggling, it's still you still got to deal with LeBron and you still got to deal with Westbrook. Um, closed out that game, you know, beautifully. Um, you know, Luka's not really, you know, the Mavs have flown under the radar. I think they're 21-7 and since uh, December 31st. So, they, you know, they've won 75% of their games about just about, you know, since the new year. Luka isn't working with any other all-stars over there. Uh, they had a they had a coaching change this offseason, you know, with Rick Carlisle on the move. Um, he's he's in Indiana now. So, you know, Luka's still only 23 years old, maneuvering through all of those things, and he's got the Mavericks well over 500. I, I, I think you have to include him in that conversation now. Mm. All right. Uh, well, I want to go back to college basketball for one second. Okay. There's one team that I forgot to give a shout-out to that uh, I don't think anybody has ever heard of this team before. Um, they are the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons. Mm, <laughs> the Mastodons. They are in the Horizon League Conference, and they are tied for first place. Um, they were 11-10, and 10, and they have won 10 games in a row. And they oh. beat the team they're tied for first place with in the Horizon League, Cleveland State, in three overtimes a couple weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. And they're still on their 10-game win, win streak. If the Mastodons, which is like a <laughs> tinier woolly mammoth, <laughs> if the Fort, Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodons can make the tournament, they're, they're going to win it all. I'm calling it right now. You can't we have probably, it. quite possibly, the hottest take ever on this show, <laughs> anyway. on this podcast. <laughs> The mic is on fire as he says this. I just had to give a shout-out to the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons. Let's go. What a um, shout-out. Go. I guess while you're on the Mastodons. topic of hot takes, I got to hear your MVP on the heels of, of that that college team prediction. Yeah, yeah. Can okay. we get an equally as hot take? All right. So um, I do have a hot take for NBA MVP. Um, this weekend, uh, my one thing I'm, I'm, I want to see this weekend, Sunday – there is a finals rematch. Uh, mm -hmm. The second one, time I think they've played the season, uh, Bucks Suns, but the Bucks are actually going to be like fully healthy this time. Um, the Suns still don't have Chris Paul, which really stinks. But um, I think this could be the the kind of time period where the Bucks reassert themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, kind of injury uncertainty in Brooklyn, um, like filling things out for the Sixers right now, even though they're playing great basketball. Um, the Bucks have a real opportunity to, to make a statement, and um, they also did. They were down, I think, 16 points to the Heat last week, um, or this previous week. I think it was on Wednesday. They had a huge comeback. Drew Holiday had a game-winning layup in that game. So this could be a, a big time period for the Bucks. And then um, I'm just gonna not give any reasons. I'm just gonna say my MVP. And I know Isaac's gonna love this, but John Moran. You are John a real Moran, one. Man. You are a real it's one. It's another right dark there. horse candidate. Dude, I like that is one. Is he a dark horse candidate though? As far Dude. as as far as 
the consensus from analysts go. <laughs> I mean, but as far as what define valuable for me then? I mean, like if you're talking value to in multiple, if you're talking value to the NBA, I mean, it's not even close. This guy is the protege of a generation right now. And if you're drawing comparisons to Allen Iverson <laughs> and Derrick Rose, people are arguing about which one of those two you you match up more to. It means both that you're such an individual that you're not so close to one that there's there's an argument about it, but two, that you clearly have some sort of magic behind you that I think is great for the NBA. I think it's incredible for the city of Memphis. If you're talking about most valuable to a team, we're John Morant, it's his swagger, it's his leadership. You could make the argument that when he was gone from that team, they had a win streak. But that was behind the swagger of John Morant because that is a young team that rallies behind that guy. That guy is a leader on and off the court, and I think he is the most valuable player in the NBA this season. Okay. That's not even my hot take, though, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do John Morant like that. <laughs> okay. My hot take is OKC is gonna go into go into uh, well, actually, the Jazz are gonna come into OKC and get whooped by OKC. Wow. That's my hot take. Cause okay, okay, look, OKC is a great young team that has won uh, five of their last six. Um, no way. And, I mean, I think Gildress Alexander is actually, he's a very versatile player. He's very, he plays to his own tempo. I think he's a great player. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Shy dropping uh, about 30 points and whooping the Jazz. At home. Keep in mind, this this is the same Oklahoma City Thunder team that lost by a record amount, seventy four points earlier. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago is that though? To, what, the, like? to the Jazz, I believe. I think. No, it was. no, it was to the Grizzlies. It was the Grizzlies. Yeah, the Grizzlies. Put some respect on their name. Okay, it was the Grizzlies. Okay. It's because they lost Stephen Adams. That's why OKC took the downturn. Is they didn't have Stephen Adams anymore. Got you. So the best, the best full court inbound passer in league. <laughs> Um, man, oh man. Man, well, we got to get one guest call in here. I'm going to see if... Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on. That's Do Not Disturb. We got to get one. We got to get one. Uh, I'm calling, I'm calling Corbin. Corbin Morley's coming Corbin in. Corbin is coming on the pod. Also, Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy as well. Dude, you're on the podcast. I want a hot take for the NBA this weekend, man. Give me a hot take. Um, I, I haven't even looked up. Like, I don't know who's playing who. Just make something up. Dude, make something up. Or look. Give us, give us, we'll stall for you. Give us your hot take. No, I got you. I got you. Lakers are sweeping this week. They're winning every single game. Really? Oh, wow. Dude, don't they play? They play uh, the, the Warriors, too. Yes. They do on Saturday. <laughs> that is a hot take, dude. On give Saturday. us a little more on that. You said hot take. Um, I think they're going to be able to heat up. I mean, all right. Obviously, you have, you know, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, D- Davis, Anthony Davis is hurt, so that sucks. So, like, you know, you know honestly, like, outside of those guys, LeBron's the only one who's, like, kind of, like, holding his end of the bargain. Um, but you got a lot of young guys who are really showing that they can perform. Luke Monk's playing pretty good. Um, I mean, crap, he's the only young guy I can think of. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you said hot take. That's the hottest take Dude, I feel like I can think of. I love that. I think that is that the is. hottest see, one. They, see, I'm either going to look like a genius after they sweep this week, or I'm going to look like an absolute idiot and clown when they, like, probably lose all their games. Don't worry, dude. I don't know how many people are gonna be listening to our fifty-minute podcast at this point, <laughs> anyway. But is it fifty minutes? It's fifty minutes. About. Oh my god! All right, gosh. we we got to we got to end it up here, dude. But thanks for the hot take. Dude, of course. Sorry for all the noise. 
No, dude, no, it's beautiful. Corbin Morley, everyone. What a take. Peace. What a take. I think that's a perfect way to end it right there. I do too. Look. Dang, man. Like I, I think that Corbin really pulled through for us there on that one. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a fan of that. He understood Genuinely. the assignment. I think that's the, one of the hottest takes you can have. Yeah, well, I mean, but I actually, what I, what I was considering doing for my, uh, my hot take was that the washed Lakers were going to get absolutely pummeled by 35 points this weekend. <laughs> that's what wow. my hot take was almost, dude. Wow. Yeah, they. I, this past Thursday, the Clippers completed the season sweep on them. So. All right, that's all we got time for today. Live from Chapel Hill. Keep it easy. See you later.